0: Okay, so today we continue with our series, which is Hearing the Call. So, this is episode number three, chapter number three. So, if you'd like, you can go back and listen to those previous episodes. The first one was an introduction, and we talked about the call to action, And the second one was the call to arms or the call to war. And in this chapter, in this episode, we're going to look at silence. And this is related to surrender. So it's really two sides of the idea, which is, The call to be silent, the call to go into silence, and the call to surrender, the call to give something up, to release something. And these are closely related. These are two sides to the same coin. They really are two central parts to the notion of hearing the call. So, to look firstly at surrender, when we hear this word surrender, when we have the situation where the word surrender applies, it's the situation when there's no other option. So, if you surrender in war, you can see that. There's no other option or you're going to die. You've been overwhelmed by the enemy. And that is the time that you surrender. And it doesn't just apply to war. It applies to many situations in relationships, even. This word surrender applies when you're speaking to your therapist. this word surrender applies when you're working something out for yourself when you're finding something about yourself when you're going into your personal wisdom your personal self-knowledge which in fact is what your therapist should be helping you with in many ways the therapist if they're worth their salt, is working at bringing you to a point where you have no choice. And this isn't in a manipulative sense. This isn't in a hurtful sense. This is in a sense of actually arriving at something very beautiful. Your therapist can do this in many ways. They can do this with many techniques and processes and psychological and analytical ways. But essentially what they're doing is pointing out where you're wrong. They're pointing out your misguided assumptions. They're pointing out the notions that are unclear to yourself. And this can happen in a way of chipping away at the old stone. I'm just slowly wearing away, moment incrementally, moment after moment incrementally, a piece at a time, just as, in the same way, self-knowledge comes along, right? Self-knowledge comes along incrementally by passing moments. And yet, these accumulating moments, these accumulating Visions of seeing how you're wrong, seeing where you're misguided, seeing where you are confused, seeing where there are underlying assumptions that aren't serving you, do snowball. They do amount to something. They do come to a critical point. And that point is the point of surrender. That's the breakthrough moment in therapy. Because if you really look at what's happening with your therapist as they try and bring you into self-knowledge, it looks something like this. You go in with who you are, with your idea of who you are, and you start talking about yourself. And as you're talking, the therapist will say, but have you thought about this? And say a little bit more about this. And you keep talking about yourself, and the therapist keeps prodding you and guiding you in different directions, and you arrive at certain statements of truth, certain new clarities, and this way of talking about yourself becomes more intense, becomes more close to home, it becomes more alive, more real. And then the climax is when you make an absolute truth statement about yourself. And your therapist is there to witness it. And that's when you burst into tears and you hug. (laughs) That's your breakthrough moment. And this is a kind of war, right? This is a kind of battle between you and your therapist. It's a kind of back and forth, a kind of exchange. It's a kind of struggle. Now, of course, you can't really put it in the same words as war. <laughs> I'm speaking metaphorically, of course. I hope your therapy sessions aren't too much like a war. <laughs> And yet, even in that, you could say, well, a good therapist is someone who's willing to go to war for you, who's, ri- who's willing to go into battle for your self-knowledge. And yet, the point that you arrive at in war and in therapy is a point of surrender. They're trying to get you to surrender. Surrender. That's the call, that's the message. Now therapy is one thing, but an enlightened master is another thing altogether. If your therapist works you works with you on your psychology and your self image and these sorts of things, well then a guru or An enlightened master helps you on your existential realization, your truest nature. They work on a much higher level, which requires a much more ruthless war, a very different kind of war. And it requires a different kind of surrender, right? The bigger your surrender, the bigger the realization in many ways. And there is a whole theological school that works around this idea. Works around renunciation, around temperance of not just alcohol but of all things. And what's happening there in that surrender is to let go of untruth. It's to hear that you need to move on and let go of thoughts about yourself, ideas about yourself, memories, situations that you've lived, the impression you get from others of what you are, and a whole list of other things. And that big long list, that really is just the accumulative factor, right? Because when a surrender occurs, it happens totally. When a surrender occurs, you can't decide the terms. It's on someone else's terms. And in so many ways, that's what keeps us trapped in life. That's what keeps us from hearing the call because we want it to be on our terms, right? I can't hear what you're saying because it doesn't fit with what I believe, with what I think about myself, with what I'm conditioned to be interested in. It's not entertaining enough. (laughs) And we all do need to surrender, if not to a therapist or to an enlightened master, then to ourselves, to our deeper nature, to our self-knowledge. And the way we do that is by giving up the noise, giving up the chatter. Which brings me nicely to the other side of this, which is silence. Hearing the call to silence is the call to stop thinking. And this comes from being fed up with the noise. comes from being worn out by neuroses in so many ways. To be fed up with the constant chatter in the mind. I mean, a lot of the time it's spoken about as monkey mind. And if you've ever actually looked at certain monkeys, they just can't sit still. (laughs) They jump around all over the place. And I would encourage you to actually, if you can, see what a monkey behaves like. See how they do jump up and down. See how it is that they have ants in their pants. When you really see it, you can understand why this metaphor of the monkey mind exists. (laughs) But really, the call to silence doesn't even go as far as that. It goes even further. Because the noise that we have, the chatter, the neuroses the violence in some ways of thought because thought really is violent it really is destructive to be thinking so much to be so obsessed to be so addictive to be so repetitive to have such dark tones of mind this is all pathology this is this is a virus The mind is a virus in so many ways. And silence is the antidote. Silence is purity. Silence is peace. It's being released from the pain of the mind. And in a more literal sense, the call to silence is the call to stop talking. And this occurs in many situations. It occurs when someone tells you that what you're talking about is wrong. When someone tells you that you don't know what you're talking about. It occurs when someone tells you that what you're talking about is not so interesting or important. And of course, it is very rare that anyone would ever actually say that. It's very rare that anyone would actually hold you accountable to your higher nature. And it is a feeling that you get, the call to stop talking, the feeling to stop talking. It's perhaps very closely related to (laughs) the instinct to want peace from the mind. The instinct to want to stop thinking so much, to find relief from the chatter of thought. And of course the easy response there is to just stop talking. I myself have very much felt this many times in my life. I've responded quite well many times to it. I have gone into silence for up to 10 days or more at a time. And I can very much taste the joy of silence... I can taste the aliveness within silence. Our mainstream culture, it's very much against silence. It's very much against peace. Silence is so often associated with just boredom, with tediousness. If there's silence in the room, then you're left with your thoughts. So we make this association between silence and neuroses, which is exactly the opposite of what it is. (laughs) And really, silence is a true aliveness. Silence is hearing things for what they really are. Silence is being in touch with the nature of things, the true chorused essence of things. Because so often we don't see that through all the noise. So often the outward burst of sound and appearance and light shows and costumes and everything, well, you don't really see what's going on there. Because appearances are... Well, very much deceiving and enticing. And there is so much to learn from the depth of silence. Because it's in silence that we hear what Existence is really calling forth within us. We might even call this a kind of two-step process. (laughs) It's another one of those. Which is, first you hear the call to become silent. And you answer that call, and you go into silence, and you indulge, and you relax, and you release your pain and your noise. And that's the first step, which brings us to the second step, which is hearing the call within that space. And that call can come with any sort of sound, any sort of feeling, any sort of kind of instinct. Hearing the call is very much like an instinct. It's like a revelation that comes to you. It's a synchronicity. It's in some ways a coincidence. (laughs) It's just a coincidence that you picked up that phone that day. It's just a coincidence that you decided to follow a certain person (laughs) into a place or into an idea. And I do wish there was less of a taboo around silence. I wish there was less discrimination against silence. I wish there was more of an embrace, a general acceptance, an opening and caring love towards silence. Because in silence, we hear the call. Alright, so those are a little a few ideas on surrender and silence. So this has been chapter three. And we will be back very soon with the next part in our series. So, make sure you subscribe to follow along. Make sure you check back regularly and tune in for that episode. So, thanks very much. And we'll be back soon with more.